Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, hello everybody. Welcome back to your most favorite and most exciting sports podcast to listen to. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Donald and Donald podcast. Double D. Barbershop Sports, baby. And you know we're coming at you straight off script, people. Giving you a brand new Fresh look at the things you think you already know about that's happening in the sports world today. Go ahead, pull up a chair. Let's chop it up. We got a smoking hot episode ready for you. Check this out, D, my man. Listen, I got a question for you. What's going on? Listen, um, it seems to be a little bit of discrepancy, man, when it comes to uh, fouls being called in the association. Now, we take we have a situation where the Lakers and everything, you know, they had a little bit of a discussion about officiating and what was happening there. Uh, could have been, could have not been uh, when it came to Detroit. Uh, Monty Williams seemed to believe that that's the reason they record is where it's at. I don't know if I'm buying that one. Uh, you know, with just eight now, nine wins on the season. Here's my question to you. What would you define as a foul? What is a foul to you? Um, A foul to me is anything that's like an illegal movement or just something that's stopping somebody from... You, it's it, a non-basketball play. Anything that's non-basketball. Even if it's... You can go up and contest a shot or things like that. But if it's just out of control, things like that. And I, it goes both ways. Offensive players, I think, if they go up out of control, you don't get a foul. You, it's things like – but that's what fouls is. It's based off the person's calling it. Right, yeah. So, um, and, and I'm kind of um, I can I can understand where you're coming from with that. When when I, when I think about a a file, now this is not a, a dictionary textbook type situation, or even like a a a, a guidebook, but. When I think about a foul, I think about this. It's a violation of the said rules of the current game being played in any sport. Okay? It's something that is, like you say, an illegal move. But then I say, but what really is a foul? So I kind of like what you said. I, I'm trying to look at the whole entire picture. And to me, is, do you, is it not the perception of the things you see or what you thought you saw and then a whistle is blown or a flag is thrown, right? Yeah, that's pretty much all it is. Okay. When it comes to fouls, it seems like there's so many outside influences when it comes to it, okay? Uh, the teams that are playing, the players that are playing, the location, uh, what part of the game are we in? The beginning, the middle, or the end? So, when I think about it, when you think about baseball, it's a foul ball. You know, it's, it's in foul territory, clear cut. Golf, you got out of bounds. Hey, that, it's out of bounds over there. That's a penalty stroke. Even when it comes to tennis, you got football. You know, or you got, you know, or just a fault when you're serving the ball. Mm-hmm. I, it's just not as clear when it comes to uh, basketball and football to me. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a gray area there. So I'm going to throw out these uh, terms to you, and I want you to tell me what comes to your mind because I want to look at both sides of the coin when it comes to officiating and when it comes to playing, okay? So let's look at the bigger picture for a second. How about this? When you hear this term, setting the tone of the game, what comes to mind? Uh, how physical it's going to be. Okay. Just, All right. Uh, letting them know early what we're going to tolerate and what we're not. All right. So could that not be on the officiating side and the player side? Yeah. Both can set the tone, right? Okay. How about this? Letting the players play. What you think about that? That's really officiating. Okay. That's also how physical they're going to let the game be. Right. Okay. Let's keep it moving a little further. Uh, how about this expression? The refs let the game get out of hand or the refs lost control of the game. Heard that before? Yeah, that's when... Me, I think it's an excuse, but mm. that comes from players' coaches. All right. Not liking what... You know, not liking calls. Okay, all right. Now, we got another one here, too. Uh, clear and obvious. I think that's right. The only cut and dry did you really know. It's clear and obvious but it's still up to them to blow the whistle or not. But clear and obvious, I think everybody can agree on that. It was clear and obvious. It might have not been called or it might have been called. But it's not a whole lot of dispute in there in that area. How You feel, you feel the same way about that? Yeah. Okay. How about this? Uh, the refs shouldn't decide the game. The players should. That's the late, late game calls. Okay. People don't want Unless it's, you know, unless it benefits them. Right. So you remember how I just said earlier, what, what part of the game are we at? The beginning, the middle, the end? Because I feel if it's a situation where you're getting a lot of, a lot of uh, fouls called early in the game, you don't really hear no whole, whole lot of complaining about that. Yeah. In the middle, you might start looking at it a little bit closer, but at the end, it's more prevalent. 
All right, which brings me to my next one. How about this? Adjusting your play to the way the game is being called. You got to have a coach that can get a team to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's that goes on uh, players' coaches. All right, but is it not the players and the coaches' responsibility to see that, yeah. recognize it, and then do something about it? That's what I said. You got to have a good coach to be able to. All right. Now, then is replay not in in, in order here? Do we got is it not replay in association? Okay, so some calls, okay, you can go, you can challenge it, right? So I say all of this, right, to ask you this question. Is there an issue? Or like you just said earlier, or is it an excuse? Because it seemed to me that play calling, will uh, whistles being blowed uh, or not being blowed, is the nature of the game. And the team that's able to make the necessary adjustments quick enough or or early enough that win percentage automatically increases. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's a problem. Okay. I, because honestly, it's me personally, I think once you get to the NBA you've played with these same calls and getting these same type of, you know, bad calls. That's not a foul. Oh, I got fouled. Why you ain't blowing the whistle? You've had these questions since you first picked up a basketball and it was a striped shirt running on the court. So there's not nothing you're not used to seeing. Now it's just you got cameras in your faces and you got, like I said, you got to put out an excuse as to, you can't say, I, I played, it takes a certain type of man to say, I played bad. I was terrible tonight. I, a lot of people do look for excuses. The coaches didn't get me in the right spot. My team wasn't making shots. Referees didn't call the calls. So that's just the way I think about it. And then you brought up other sports. They have their things too. Football has the they got offsides. That's something that's written in stone. That's something that they can go and look at every time. It's a definite. But they also have roughing the passer. They have DPOI. You know, they have all these other things that's ref he has to make a decision on is that a penalty or not. Baseball, yeah, it's one of the most clear cut when as far as it comes to rules. They still got an umpire back there who's calling balls and strikes. And if they think yo, you know, it's just up to them how the window looks. So it's hockey. Can we? Should they fight or not? You know, it's things like that. So it's. I just think it's the part of the game, and it's been a part of the game for so long. I don't see why. I don't see why you guys are acting like it's such a big thing. Now I understand, like in in the actual games, like the Lakers, they lead the league in, in free throw attempts because of the way they play. So I can understand why they have a problem with. I think one of those games they only took like six free throws. I understand why you bring it up then because that is part of your play style. We do get to the rim. We do try to force free throws. Okay, cool. But don't sit and say that's why you lost the game because as a coach, like we just said, he's to be able to realize, all right, these refs ain't giving us those calls. We got to find something else to do. Right, right. I got you. It just seemed like it's just been, it's done come up a whole lot more often here recently and everything. But like you said, it's an adjustment period. And if you're able to adjust, then you're able to, uh, I guess, like I just said earlier, your win percentage goes up because now it's like, okay, this is the way it's going. This is the way we see that it's being officiating. And from that point on, okay, let's go ahead and do what we need to do to win this game. You're not going to win all of them, but if you're able to recognize that and adjust, then, hey, you really, you know, you got things way pretty much where you want them to be. Yeah, I just think. Counting on free throws is a is a dangerous game to be playing. Yeah, and another thing about this, and we've had this discussion before, what got you in that position in, in the first place? Like, how was your play earlier? Did you come down to one, two, three, or maybe even a five or six-point spread? Did, it, it has to come down to a last-minute possible call or something like that. Sometimes games are being caught tight, tight the whole entire time. Sometimes, like you say, they let them play. I don't see you go five, six, seven minutes mm-hmm. with no call at all. But I don't hear no complaint on, complaint on that side. It, it just depends on the situation, too. Like I said, if y'all are up and you aren't getting the foul calls, or no, you know, if y'all are up and they're not calling fouls, you won't hear nothing. But if it's a close game at the end of the game and you feel like y'all didn't get enough fouls, that's when it's like, okay, that's a problem. Right, exactly. So it'll be a continued conversation, but like I said, it's part of the game, and I think it comes all the way down to adjustments, and we can keep it moving from there, right? Mm-hmm. Listen, we got games and developments in association, man. The Hornets are 5-2 and two in, they, in their last seven games, man. How do you feel about this newfound success? 5-2, and two. all right? We didn't even imagine this, uh, but uh, you taking, I figured it, ever since uh, the All-Star break and ever since the um, the trade deadline came by, uh, Grant Williams, Mitch, 
Burton's Curry and Nick Richards have all stepped up when it came to uh, the Charlotte Hornets. It's just that sometimes you just need a new breath of life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it goes for the team as well as these players that we picked up. We talked about Trey Mann and Mitchett just being in a situation where they weren't seeing the floor. Um, Grant Williams, it, the grass looked green on the other side when he went to Dallas to play with one of the best in the league. It didn't work out like that. So now he's back home. He's on a struggling team where it's not a lot of pressure on him to do things. So it's easier to, you know, it's easier to have success when your expectations aren't set as high. We're happy with 5-2 and two right now because of where the team has been most of the season. Any other time we look at 5-2, and two, like, yeah, that's cool. It's, congratulations. But now it kind of means... Something because this shows okay, they look too pretty, but now they're going in the right direction. Right. Uh, when you think about Grant Williams, man, it seems like he's he's bringing a new uh, attitude and toughness to the team. I mean, he's getting in there and he's making some things happen. You know, he's averaging. You know, he got like fifteen to twenty points a game that he's putting out there for him every night. And then we got the outside shooting that's coming around. But uh, when is Lamelo Ball coming back, or is it coming back? That's the thing. He just everything that keeps coming out is just him getting reevaluated. Him mm. getting reevaluated. But at this point, I think it's not a rush to bring him back. It's nothing. I like. I, we. I think we talked about it before. It's no benefit to bringing him back, other than you might sell some extra tickets. Other than that, uh, you let him rest. You figure out how to keep that ankle healthy for a full season. And you go into the office because honestly, this team isn't the same team we're going to see next year. You just got to expect some things will move around, things like that. So you don't you got to go into the offseason. You want a healthy Lamelo going into next season. You don't want him eighty eight percent. You want him to be a hundred percent going into next season. So you don't gain you don't gain anything. Right, from right. Year. Do you, do you feel like um did the Charlotte Hornets may have possibly found their big three with Lamelo Ball, uh, Brandon Miller, and, and, and Miles Bridges is is like maybe like a core uh, going forward because we are working on some things even you know because we still got some games in this season. Yeah. Do you feel like they got a good foundation there? Yeah, and I'll even uh another thing that is I'll even throw Mark Williams in there when he's healthy. He's a big part, and that, I think that's our problem now while we're struggling winning games because we're going out there with just Nick Richards. He's played great this year. Don't get, he's played great with the responsibility that's been thrusted upon. But without our main guy at center to protect the rim, grab rebounds, do those type of things, it's tough. And then that's why we lit up on it. Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges taking 20, 30 shots a game. And so it did, I just think I like those four guys and LaMelo, Miller, uh, Miles Bridges, and Mark Williams. Now we can fill out that team, boy. I do like the things we did, like bringing in the Grant Williams. Can we keep him? Bringing in Seth Curry. Can we keep him? Trey Mann, find a spot for him, especially with us hitting and missing on Book Knight, Bryce McGowan, all these other big, tall guards that we tried to bring in that didn't work out. We replaced that. He has NBA experience. Any show he could play. As soon as he got here, he took off. So we're fine. We just got to figure. There's some more stuff we got to figure out, but I like the direction it's going. Yeah, and I feel good about it too. It just seems to me like uh, the Bucks is just not a good matchup when it comes to the Hornets, man. Because before they even started this streak, they lost to the Bucks one twenty eighty four the other night. They lost to the Bucks one twenty three eighty five, and then they play the Bucks tomorrow. So I don't know. Maybe it's, it's good practice because the next three games are the Bucks, the Seventy Sixers, and, and Toronto. Uh, you think, see them seeing maybe two out of three on their next one that's coming up and everything. Uh, I think they get one, and the one that's crazy. It's kind of I think they beat the 76 mm-hmm. uh, But I do think they go one and three. Okay, so you think they, uh, Toronto might I think be Toronto too much? upset some, on some. Yeah. Scott Barnes might have a hot night. Yeah, you get a weird game from like RJ Barrett, like one of those things. Yeah, I got you. Okay, well, check this out. How about these games is on, ta- on tap, baby? Win, Tornoy. Listen, okay, you got the Mavs and the Raptors. Now, you do know uh, that the Mavs, they took a, hey, had a tough loss against the Cavs, man, 119-121, where uh, uh, Spider-Man dropped 31. Now, in that particular game, it was crazy because Batman and Robin, listen, they combined for seven. 75 points, man, okay, <laughs> and loss. But tonight, okay, you got the Mavs and the Raptors. What do you think? You think they're going to get it back right on this? Oh, yeah. They lost on a full-court heave of a shot. Yeah, that's they true. They lost by a miracle. Now, granted, shouldn't have been that close. 
Not with 75 points. Yeah, it should have been that close, but they lost. It, it took a miracle shot right. for them to lose that game. So they're not worried about that. Uh, the NBA, though, should be worried about these two guys. They, you really have a Kyrie Luka problem in the NBA right now. They're dominating. They're take they're taking it to everybody. And it looks like now that Kyrie's back and healthy, Luka's, Luka's been doing Luka. Now Kyrie's back healthy. He's in the lineup consistently, and they have other guys like P.J. Washington, Daniel Gafford now. You know, still got Tim Hardaway. Josh Green, with Kyrie going down early on, was able to get him some minutes and get him some reps going. So now he's coming into it. It's... They are becoming a more of a contender every game I see from them. And it's coming at a great time, man, because it's it's really it's getting closer and closer with every single game to post play. So they're getting hot at the right time. And it's what you gonna do? You 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 gotta guard them straight up now. Mm-hmm. You gotta guard them straight up now because it's two legit threats on the floor. And it's not like they gotta run players for them. No, y'all just gotta give me the ball. I hear him to play. <laughs> exactly. And like you say, if you're going to beat him, it's going to have to take, like you say, either a miracle shot or a very full, complete game from the other team that they're playing against. I feel you on that one. Now, listen, you have the, the Pelicans and the Pacers. Now, the Pelicans is coming off a win against uh, the New York Knicks where the Pelicans won 115 to 92. They didn't have a, a Jalen Bronson. He was a DMP. But uh, Ingram and Zion, they seem to be doing what they need to do. They had uh, uh, put up 20 pieces apiece on that last game. Now, now you got the Pelicans and the Pacers. You got uh, Tyrese Halliburton, and then you got Ingram, and then you got Zion. It seemed to me when it comes to Halliburton, he's looking a lot more for the pass now. He seemed to be passing first a lot more. Yeah. Is that just a part of his game that he's developing right now? That's what made this team go early on in the season when he was racking up them 17 assists, 20 assists game. Like that's, and it's kind of his play style, too. It's kind of, he is the, he said it all the time. He got it from playing 2K. But it's just the way 2K is set up. You're always looking ahead of you. Right. So that's just how he plays the game. It's look up. I see somebody over the corner. I'm throwing. So that's just how he plays. He's not a. He's not your. We're so used to guards now pounding the ball into the hardwood. He's not that guy. He plays like the 2000s, 90s point guards. They come up, get it into an action. Right, right. So when you think about his play, right, we're talking about how, on Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, it more of that double double is kind of more of a of a more a winning uh, combination than him just like saying being the leading scorer that night. Yeah, him going for forty versus him giving you twenty and fifteen. I would rather him give us twenty and fifteen. Right, because it gets it's, it gets the rest of the team going versus you might have forty and the rest of the team combined for twenty points. That ain't going to get it done. Mm-mm. No, no, not at all. I feel you. Now, you got the Cavs and the Bulls. Now, the listen, the Pistons got their ninth win against the Bulls, beating them by 10 points, 105 to 95. But what can you expect out of this uh, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Kobe White matchup with the Cavs and the Bulls tonight? Uh, it's, I think it'll be an exciting one. I think you'll get some some highlight plays and things like that. Some just exciting basketball. Uh. I just still think the Cavaliers is a better team right now. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that uh, Kobe's going to have to – that's going to hurt Kobe in this situation, just playing on the lesser team right now. Yeah, do you think Zach, Zach Levine coming back this year or not? Nah. I don't think he, we see him in the Chicago jersey again. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't make sense. Cause, and that's the thing about him probably not playing. They couldn't get a deal done before trade deadline. And now they try to make sure he stays healthy. Things like that don't you know show as show the least amount of flaws possible. For when as soon as we can get you out of here, we don't get something for you. What do you think? Uh, um, him going, uh, he would have the uh, be the most inf- impactful player. What 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 do you see him making a difference going to what team? Um, there's a lot of teams that could like I said, our Lakers could have used them, or like we could have used them. Um. Somebody like the Knicks, give Jalen another guy who can just get the ball and go score, uh, something like that. We always talked about the Miami pickup. They need a legit give me the ball. I can go give you 20. They need that guy. Uh, so there's a lot of places where Zach, Zach Levine and um, Trey Young in Atlanta would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it, they, they would complement each other better than 
DeJounte and Trey Young does. Cause Trey DeJounte still he's a point guard at heart. He's a he's a ball in my hands. Let me bring it up. Let me you know he's he is a point guard who can slot at the two because of his height. Zach Levine is a two guard. He's a shooting guard. He don't want to facilitate. He don't want to do all that. He want to catch it when he knows. Like yeah, I'm about to go score. If y'all swing it over here, just know nine times out of ten a shot going up. Right. So I got you. Yeah, that that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I do know that uh, uh, Ice Trey, he, he, a little bit of surgery, you know, yeah, to, he, he's, he's injured and everything. Uh, but before all that even took place, like you said, it was hot and cold with that combination between Murray and Young trying to kind of like get that together. So, like I say, they may even be looking at it even closer now. I know he's going to be, uh, Young going to get reevaluated pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So, it may be something they might be, you know, thinking about at this moment in time. Cool, love it. Listen, now you got the Grizz and the T-Wolves. The T-Wolves are trying to take and continue their winning ways. They just t- took care of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they beat them 114 to 105. Uh, Wimby had a double-double with 17 points and 13 rips, but it wasn't enough. Uh, we got the Grizz and the T-Wolves. Uh, I think I know for a fact the T-Wolves is on an upswing, and the Grizz is kind of on a downswing right now. Uh, but, you know, you got your boy K-Town, Anthony Edwards, and all of them. They're they really putting uh, – you have to recognize them when you talk about the West. Oh yeah, they're they're still tied for number one in the West with uh, OKC right now, and we talk about them all the time. I think the thing that separates them is their ability to play defense. Mm-hmm. The things that they can do on defense, having Cat and Rudy Gobert on the court most of the time, having Anthony Edwards and Mike Conley, who are both point of attack defenders, and then you throw in McDaniel's, you throw in uh, Slow Mo, what's his name? Kyle Anderson. You throw in some of these long wing guys, you got a recipe for the best defensive team in the league. Right, right. So, and that's what I think can, now OKC has the young stars. They have the Shea Gildas Alexanders. They have the Chet Hungers. They have the J-Dubs. They have these guys who are burst onto the scenes and they look like the next team up. You know, they just give you that feeling of, yeah, it's going to be their time soon. It's going to be their league soon. They're going to be the – and you just got to think because of how young they are. If they're able to keep it together, we could see them become the next dynasty of a team. The Timberwolves could be a thorn in their side. Right. <laughs> they could be like, all right, everything's going according to plan. But little baby Mike up there is getting on my nerves. Right. So it, it, it is, they can still do things to build that team up. They I don't think they spent a lot of money in free agency. I know they got the Rudy Gobert trade. Uh, right now, who you who you pay on that Timberwolves team? Ant, Cat, Rudy. There's a lot of money flowing around there. And there's a lot of... And then you got to think, now they're making an identity for themselves. They're making a name for themselves. So who knows? Somebody might want to go up to Minnesota now. Right, exactly. It's looking very inviting now, right? It's looking like a place I want to go play. Exactly. Get back to the KG days, man. You know? <laughs> I love it. Listen, now you got the Kings and the Nuggets. Now, the Kings, they did beat the Warriors 119 to 103. And guess what? We had a Jamal Murray sighting, man. He dropped 27 in that game. Uh, so, listen, what you think about uh, Jokic and and also uh, the Kings with uh, uh, D Fox? Um, I think, I think something that's going on the Raiders. Is the Kings got some added motivation with their two best players getting snubbed from the All-Star game. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontez Sabonis, who rightfully so, they're having amazing years. Uh, D. Fox is averaging 27. Uh, DeBonis is averaging 20, 13, and 8, 8 and a half. So that, the numbers is, <laughs> they number it. <laughs> right. But it's just like, why are we still not getting some of the respect and we talk I say I use this uh, comparison all the time for a team like Minnesota a team like OKC a team like the Orlando Magic they're trying to do what the Kings did last year go from that young team to we're here in the span of a year in the span of we took those three four months off in the middle Came back. We don't look like them same little boys from last year. Mm-hmm. We don't play like them same. And that's what these three young teams are doing this year. But it's still, for them, it's still like, y'all forgot about us. Right. But we out here playing grown man basketball. <laughs> we still playing good basketball. It's just now what? Now y'all went on to the next hot thing, the next hot, because that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. They're moving to the next young hot guys that's looking like they could take the league over. It looked like it was the Kings. Right. 
But like you say, I don't think that snub gonna come again like that. I think they definitely gonna have to take and do something about that and get them boys in that game, right? Yeah, yeah. Now listen, now you got the Clippers and then you got the Lakers. The battle out in LA. Now, here's the thing. Both of them is coming off AOs, all right? The Clippers, they lost to the Kings 123 to 107. D Fox dropped 33 that night. And then, you know, of course, we had that kind of what they say, that controversial game between the Suns and the Lakers. Suns beat the Lakers 123-113. Uh, now, you got the Lakers and the Clippers. Chop this one up for me, though. Oh, just straight off the bat, the Clippers are a better team right now. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and throw that out there. <laughs> um, Ty better coach than Darvin Ham right now. Mm-hmm. Let's throw that out there. Darvin Ham don't coach. Darvin Ham goes, you go to the sideline for Darvin Ham's timeout, he gives you like motivational quotes and stuff like that. He he does stuff. I don't need that right now. <laughs> Every time they got him mic'd up and they show inside the little timeout huddle, it's him saying some talent beats hard work. If hard work, they shut up. <laughs> Tell me how to break this press. <laughs> Exactly, and then it's like, and, and then he can't get the roster together. It's, it's like, who who do we put out on the court? What are we doing? Just because he had a play named after him when he had a time in his league, don't mean he know how to call plays. <laughs> he didn't come up with that play. Where did the fall off come from, man? Because it was high hopes, high expectations when he was with the Bucks and all that coming in. It was like, oh, this is a good choice. This is what we need. This is it. What happened? That's the thing I don't understand with, with, with the NBA. With the NBA coaching cycle, this let me, you know, in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. We was talking about it. Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinators tend to get the job a lot. They tend to go get the head coaching jobs a lot. But also, offensive coordinators, if you need a quarterback, okay. I mean, if you got a new quarterback, you need to score more points. Cool, well, I understand. I need to go get an offensive coordinator. In basketball, their jobs is called assistant coach. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> To make you think, yeah, he should be my head coach. Right. Other than assist the other man coaching a great team. <laughs> All he did was run and get coffee and donuts while this like I'm not I'm not trying to downplay, but you get what he was the assistant coach. And it got and it it wasn't like, oh, you could blatantly see his fingerprints on these teams. He wasn't doing nothing. He was with the Bucks. They had Giannis. It wasn't too much coaching you had to do. Right, right. So that's a, what, what, and he didn't have a job before, so I can understand, like, Kenny Atkinson, when the Hornets tried to get him from the Warriors. He had been a head coach before. He went to a championship organization, won a ring. Now he could come and bring Gus some of that. Right, there you go. Darvin Ham, you had the Hamburglar play called for you. Mm-hmm. That's your whole resume. <laughs> They had a play called after you. <laughs> and it wasn't even you shooting the ball. He <laughs> was just on the floor. No, it was him. They, it was like a fake. They swinging to him in the corner. And because he had big hands, he could take it and just swing it across to the other dude. That was the play. <laughs> so so what do the Lakers do now, man? I, like, what do we see this thing going forward? Where we at? It is. It is. We have a great team. I don't say great, but we have a we have a team. We got a team that can do some things. It's not, you know, it's not the complete roster. It doesn't have the young talent. But we got LeBron James. We got Anthony Davis. D'Lo has had an emergence. You know, Austin Reeves, he's more hot and cold this year. But, hey, he, he gives us some good games. Roy Hachimura coming back into his own. I like the team. Um, but it's so based on – it's not like we're – Getting coached to wins. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're coming in and you can see. Like I said, you never see like a game. If you're watching a Lakers game, it's hard for me to think you can just look at the game and say, oh, this is what they're trying to do. This is what Darvin Ham's game plan was leading up into this game. It doesn't look like they ever have one. It just looks like they go out there and play basketball. Trying to figure it out and, on the fly. And depend on them just having the talent to get it done. That's not the case that's not going to get it done anymore that's not going to get you to where we're trying to get to because everybody has the talent now right everybody has the talent now the difference is going to be how we execute mm-hmm. how we the small things how close we pay attention to the small details getting back on defense 
stopping whatever they're, you know, if we playing the Bucks, can we build that wall that we've seen be successful against the Bucks? Can, if we playing uh, the Warriors, how can we keep somebody attached to Steph Curry's hit? We are playing any, t- I want to see what's your game plan for this team, for this guy, for X, Y, and Z. Darvin Ham doesn't show me that. And yes, I told him we got to give him time because of what he did last year. After the trade deadline, made all those changes, and he still was able to get us to the Western Conference Final. Cool. You would have had even more time if you didn't get swept. Mm-hmm. But now it's okay. Depending on how this season ends, Darvin, you might not need to come back. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. So, like you said, uh, uh, he has a, a little bit less than a half a season that probably now to try to figure this whole thing out. Oh, really, when we get into them playoff situations, show us how you. That's going to be the tell of the tape. Yeah, show us how you. Because even if we, you know, don't make a far run, show me that you was making adjustments from. Because that's a game to game thing. You're playing the same team at least four times in a row. Mm-hmm. If I see the same game plan four times in a row, that's telling me you just don't. You don't have it as a coach. Right. And no, no adjustments at all. No adjustments at all. So I guess with all that being said, I, I don't even know if I need to ask this or not. Who wins this game between the Lakers and the Clippers? Uh, <laughs> I would love to say the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I honestly would love to say the Lakers. But I just think, first off, the Clippers still had that little brother mentality that, that we, we're tired of getting kicked around and overlooked. So now they're trying to, and you know the hype's already pointing towards it's it's the Clippers city now. It's the Clippers city, so it's already pointing towards that it's going in that direction. And I think they want to put that stamp on it. Exactly, they want to put that stamp on. They have a lot of guys too who they are kind of petty. James Harden is a petty individual. Uh, Paul George, petty individual. Russell Westbrook. They ain't got to say nothing about him. Mm-hmm. He probably showing with this game every time. He he's sleeping outside crypto right now. Right, ready. He out there right now, warming he, up. He's sending text messages to LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> just eyeballs, just sending them eyeballs. <laughs> but I, I do think the Clippers just are a better team right now. They're better coached, so I, I'll give it to them. Um, I think it will be close to like a six point game. Okay, all right. We're going to have to see that one, baby. Listen, let's talk about this real quick, baby. we got women's college basketball. You know how much we love it. Now, listen, on tap tonight, you got Villanova and UConn. Now, UConn just came off a of molly whopping of du- du- uh, DuPaul. Uh, they beat them 104-67. to a girl, Paige Beckers, dropped 30 points on them. They had already said, hey, you need to look out for UConn because they're definitely getting themselves ready. Making a statement every single game since that loss that they took, and we understand what took place there. But when you think about UConn and Villanova, looking for another big game tonight out of Paige? Uh, yeah, I think she, she's locked in right now. Mm-hmm. It's just something that clicked for her. Uh, and I think it's that taking that pressure of deciding to go to the league or come back. She already made a decision. Now she can just focus on the game again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, uh, Gino always have been a great coach. Now he's, you know, he's taking, he's making his stamps in history, and he can continue to taking to build that up. You know, we always knew that he was a great coach, uh, and like you said, I think they're getting, you know, physically and mentally prepared uh, for what's about to take place. Uh, so, like you said, I do think that that's going to be a situation where, hey, he was going to like, listen, this is what it is, this is where we at, because he has a whole lot of post play experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for that to grow even more. Yeah. All right, you got Michigan and Ohio State. You got Texas and. Oklahoma, Iowa State, and K-State. Now, listen, when it comes to Iowa, the Hawkeyes, they played Minnesota. Now, uh, the Iowa, they took and they lost one, then they won one. They lost that one against Indiana, 86-69, to shook that loss off, and then won against the Fighting Illini, 101-85. to Like I say, if you're going to lose, you need to lose now because yeah. later is not even really an option. You, uh, you, you, we know who Caitlin Clark is. We know I'm looking for a bigger game out of Stokey, man. I think that that connection right now is going to be emphasized even more tonight. But we keep talking about it. It has to come from up top. Because the games we lose, the games that Iowa loses, it has the same kind of recipe. And I hate to say it, but Caitlin Clark shot them out of this game again. And yeah, it was a 17-point loss, so maybe it wasn't, you know, but 8 for 26, 3 for 16. Efficiency. You always terrible. talk about it. Yeah. That's terrible efficiency. And then when you have Stokey only getting nine shots, uh, Davis went one for five. Marshall went one for two. Martin stepped up seven for 16, but that's still 
everybody's shooting under 50%. Everybody. And yet, Caitlin did come in 24-10 assists. It's, no, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. But it's still just... You have to understand, like, when you're not hitting the way you're used to hitting, we're losing possessions with you trying to find your shot or trying to get in rhythm. It's taking away possessions. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this then. <clears throat> Very interesting Did you say that. What do you think her mindset is right now? Because she already taken got that, you know, the, the, the history, the, the scoring title and all of that good stuff. There's a couple more things that's ahead of her. A couple things is already behind her, you know, with all of that. What is her mindset now? Because, I mean, you know, that's kind of was the big thing. Every time you go into a press conference, Caitlin Clark in this record. Caitlin Clark in this record. And, you know, we love CC. We yeah. love her. We love her. But where's her mindset now? Because you you know what it's about to be, this post-play. So what what is she thinking? I think, I think with her... She, what I would like for her to be focused on, because if you look at it, the the the, the, the ladies who had this hype, um, Sabrina Inescu, Kelsey Plum, these are the last ladies that I remember, like, we were talking about this much. And it was because they was making history as well. You know, she just broke Kelsey Plum's scoring record. Sabrina was the first player to 2,000, 1,000, 1,000, and the, whatever number of triple doubles she had. They never got it done. Mm-hmm. They never won the big They never You know They never won that, that That championship That's what you gotta do We understand Yeah you broke the records Yeah you're Caitlin Clark Yeah you'll be the number one Pick in the draft Whenever you decide to go out You lost in the finals Mm-hmm What What do you Are you Do you wanna just be known As a stat sheet stuff That'll fade away Quickly, yeah. That'll fade away. People, yeah, your name will always be in that record book, as the, but a lot of people don't read that record book every day. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't worried about that. We have short-term memory. We have recency bias. Right. It's just a human It's a human thing. Right. You think she's going to be able to shake this thing off and everything? Because, you know, it's, it's not too much time left where it's like, this is this is gonna, what it's going to be all about, man. It's going to be all about what's going to happen. And these games is right there in front of her, right ahead of her, just about to be played right here, right now. These games mean so much, man. And these like the, the little necessary adjustments, the tweaking is what I like to call it. The, the taking the scene and the focusing and the IQ of everything that's going on and knowing the gravity of what's, what's taking place, is she going to be able to take that down? I think she has to just... I think somebody has to tell her. Somebody has to talk to her about. Yeah, we know what you are possible, what you are capable of doing night in, night out. I want to see you make this team better. Mm-hmm. I think when I, when I when I think about uh, Caitlin Clark, a great player, and she's so fun to watch. I think a lot of times the players and maybe even the head coach just get just wrapped up in in awe and just watching her play. They just, what was she going to do tonight? I just want to see what's going to happen. I know she can make, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's like, but you can't forget it's a team game. Coaching is needed and adjustments has to be made. And that's, and I wonder, and you know, that's something that we don't have is all speculations, but I wonder what's the dynamic like? Mm. Is it, does the coach have that dynamic of if I do kind of put a leash on her, is that taking her out of you know how does Caitlyn react to that leash put being put on her? Right. Does she shut down, or does she go get it in another way? We don't know. We don't know if they've had these conversations, and she just doesn't know how to play any other way but this style of basketball. Right. Right. Which is you're gonna have to find another way once you get to that league. Mm-hmm. Because right now the team that's number one pick, Indiana Fever, they have some play. They've been picking number one for some years now, so they got some people. Leah Boston just went there last year, rookie of the year this year. So you're not going to get 25, 30 shots a night. How else can you contribute to this team? And we see it. We see you can get rebounds. We see you can make the passes. Put some more emphasis. That's what. Just put some more emphasis on that. Right. Yeah. And I'm and, and listen, you know we're gonna keep our eyes on it and everything because now it's the time to shine. You got to do it right now because there's no tomorrow. You got to win the next one. Because that's another game I want to talk about too. You know, um, we love these two ladies. Uh, Juju and Elisa Peely played each other not too long ago. Battle, yeah. Battle um, the U's, UCLA and, and Utah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, where is that? I was just looking at it. But um, same problem I have with Juju in this game. So, yeah, Utah won this game 74-68. Close game. 
two great teams. Uh, Lisa Pilly went for 23, 5 for 10, 9 rebounds. Juju Watkins had 30 points, 5 rebounds, 7, I mean, 5 or 6, 7 rebounds. Mm-hmm. You know how many shots she took? How many? 30. <laughs> 10 for 30, 1 for 6. Efficiency, low. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. And it wasn't Davis was 6 for 6, Marshall 4 for 7. Four, four for 13, kind of, you know, and then they only got four points off the bench. So it's like, yes, we know what you girls are capable of. We know how skilled and talented you guys are. 10 for 30 is not a winning recipe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not. Right, right. Because well, when you think about it, you have to be able to win in more than one way. Uh, and you have to be able to win pretty. You have to be able to win ugly. But at the same time, those necessary adjustments. And like I say, if it's not your night, it's it's, it's other ways to win a basketball game. Yeah. You know, you got defense, assists, rebounds, rips, all of that stuff that kind of goes in. But just to say, hey, hey, I got 30 this night. I got 40 this night. A double-double this night. A triple-double that night. It don't matter if you lost it. It's empty stats. Exactly. So we hoping that they can all pull it together, man. Because listen, but it's going to be all so entertaining to watch, but also the development as well. Because at the end of the day, it's really about accountability, mm-hmm. man. It's a it's about accountability, and we and we always talk about efficiency. If efficiency goes up, the winning percentage does too. Okay, listen. You also have Boise State and UNLV, and then you got Portland against uh, them Lady uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs with some must see TV. Listen, you know. We're gonna have to uh, tap on this men's college hoops, right? Yes. Yeah, your boys, UNC Tar Heels, North Carolina Tar Heels, Tar Heels, back to back wins. You tell me how you feel about this. UNC uh, beat Virginia 54 44, then it turned around and then they beat Miami 75 71. Looked like they won both of these games two different ways. Yeah, uh, three in a row as of right now. <laughs> so, you know, and it was just that we talked about it all the time uh, that, 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 Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Win. It was just getting tiring to watch. Um, but 96-81 Virginia Tech, 54-44 Virginia, like you said, 75-71 Miami. All of these games kind of gave different feels for me. Um, the Virginia Tech game, we kind of dominated from jump. The Virginia game was just slow. It was just a slow, drawn-out game. Like, it felt like... Nobody could really get into an offensive flow on both sides. Uh, we did make a couple more shots and made a couple more defense. And that's what I love this team, the defensive effort that we put in night and night, even in losses. We do put in a lot on defense, and I just love that about this team. Because, you know me, do your work early, it makes it easier on the other side. I, I, there's no other way to split it. But then you look at this game um, against Miami. They put up a great game, too. Uh, it looked like R.J. Davis shipped the rust off with 42. And we needed every single one of them points. <laughs> Harrison Ingram had a bad night uh, shooting three for the 13, only gave us eight. Cadeau, three for five. You know, we talked about it. He's not trying to score the ball. He's not even looking to score the ball. Um, and then Cormac Ryan, we, we thought he was getting his shot back after the, um, I want to say it was the Virginia game. Yeah, he went 6 for 11 from three in that game. This game, 3 for 13 overall. It's just, that's, with him, that's the problem with me, that inconsistency, and you're brought here to shoot. Mm-hmm. So do, do you think, uh, with, with that being said, with, with R.J. Davis and his 42 points he had, look, almost looked like he outscored the rest of his own team or whatever. Have have that have that light switch been flipped now? Did, did he Has he figured it out that, like, okay, uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and have a, a little bit more go-get-it type mentality because as I go, this team goes? Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's that because beginning of the year, you remember he was going on that crazy scoring mm-hmm. streak. He was doing the crazy numbers and things like that. Exactly. Even when he slowed down, we were still winning games. That's when we kind of went on that 10-game win streak after he had slowed down his points. The rest of the team had got it going. But I still think he needs to know that he's capable of these nights. When it is a close game, 75-71, and nobody else is making that different, being that difference maker, you are capable of going out there and putting us on our putting us on your back and carrying us across that finish line. So it's not a you gotta do it every night thing. That's what we was trying to get him to understand. Right. Cause that's what shot us in the foot last year with him and Caleb Love. Where they thought every night it had to be one of them two. Though we have we've seen it this year that we have guys who can 
get it done on any given night. It was um, Harrison Ingram against Duke. You started off slow that game. You did end up with 17 as the game went. But you don't. We have other guys who can. And then we still got Bake out here. We still got guys who can get it done. We just need you to be ready when we need this time of game from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's, it's happening at the right time because it seemed to me like they're they, they gelling a little bit more. They're getting it together. And they're recognizing these smaller things is really going to take and make a difference when it comes to that time, right? Yeah. All right, listen. You know we got games on tap that we're going to have to talk about. You got uh, MIZ. You got uh, Missouri against Florida. Now, when you look at that uh, – well, you have a situation, uh, what do you have? Uh, yeah, Florida uh, beat Bandy 77 to 64 with three out of their five starters in double digits that night. So it seemed to me like Florida, they taking, they doing some uh, good things. Yeah, um, that's one of those up under the radar teams. Uh, Florida's always kind of been a decent basketball school. Um, sports wise, their Florida's taking a step back. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, I don't know how this, how it works though, how these teams. Because if you're – I'm trying to think of how the, the best way I can say it. I grew up watching Tim Tebow at Florida, Chris Leak at Florida, uh, all these guys, Percy Harvin at Florida. Then on the basketball side, I seen the Joe King, Noah, Al Horford teams. The, uh, it was another – like I seen those teams go back-to-back win championships. So if I'm – but, you know, I'm from Carolina, so I, I'm a Carolina kid. I love kids. But if I was from Florida in that time, it's hard for me to think, like, why does the why does it keep taking these step backs? Like, why do kids want to go elsewhere? I'm pretty sure y'all seen these, these guys, too. Why don't y'all I, – I just don't know. Schools who – we've seen it with the U, with Miami. Um, Their football program was dominant. It, right. It would, seem like, it would seem like everybody would want to go to Miami. They never, you know, they took that step back and they're still trying to get back to who they used to be. So it's just that I I don't get the how y'all was so big at one point mm-hmm. and just completely fall off. But I guess it's just the cycle of yeah sports. It could be on, on just kind of on a down curve right now and everything. But I still feel that they're going to take and make a decent run when it comes to the attorney. Um. Depends on the matchups, mm-hmm. and, and it just depends on how much respect they get in, in seeing. If they get somewhere in that that middle packing of you know the the regions, I think they can. Mm-hmm. But if they are the one of the lower ends, you got to play one of those one, two, three seeds early on. Could get bounced early. Yeah, yeah, I got you. All right, how about this Auburn and this Tennessee matchup, man? Okay, because you know about DK Connect and everything. Uh, the last game they played, Tennessee put up eighty six against Texas A and M, fifty one. Connect had fifty four. I mean, twenty four that night. So uh, again, they can, they're trying to stick to their winning ways and take care of Auburn. Yeah, um, Connect's averaging twenty right now. Uh, I like this team. A lot of a lot of guys who just do small things like Connect's. By far their leading score, uh, but then you got twelve from a dude, ten point nine from uh, Siegler who chips in six assists. Uh, and then you just look at Auburn. I like the way they just go about business. Like they don't they don't get the the hype, they don't get the national recognition and things like that. But they just go about showing up and and line up against anybody. Right. We're gonna play against anybody. And I still um, like the freshman Aiden Holloway they got on this team. Um, I think he has a bright future. Mm-hmm. It just when he gets more, he is a smaller guard too. So once he get that body frame right, things like that, I think he's gonna be a he's he's gonna be a problem. Right, right. It's gonna be a good thing to see, man. Listen, now <clears throat> we got Louisville and we got Duke. Uh, we know about that little situation and everything. Duke lost that game against Wake Forest. They had a whole bunch of conversation about court rushing and all that. They almost they almost lost the game and they taking their star to other team the same night. Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to play this game. Hadn't heard anything different that he won't be able to put a little ice on it, and we'll see what's going to happen with that. Uh, let's just touch base on it, just 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 real briefly uh, about court rushing. Um, we have we've talked about it before, and I, it's part of the experience. It's part of what makes college sports college sports. But also, this situation is a little different to me. You know, I'm always about protecting the players. I do agree with that. But the players are also human. His feelings was hurt, and he went out of his way to make contact with that fan. He stuck out a leg and both his arms and then tried to play victim. 
That's the part I'm not okay with. Now, if it was a legit, he knocked you over, ran over you, stepped on your toes, all that, cool. I would be defending you. I would be, but this is one of those cases where they weren't being malicious. They mm -hmm. weren't intentionally trying to, they were really celebrating a team who they're not looked at as Wake Forest. They're not looked at as Duke. They're not looked at as one of these top, and they've put out some NBA greats. And Wake Forest doesn't get the the basketball love that some of these other schools do. And you know college people take these things seriously. They take their mm -hmm. schools seriously. They love their schools. Mm -hmm. We beat Duke in our home. Yeah. Of course we want to celebrate it. Right. We want to, but they did it the right way. Mm -hmm. If he didn't do that, nobody would have got ran into. Nobody would have got bumped into. Nobody would have got hurt. Mm -hmm. It has to be a 50-50 thing. Right, right. Accountability on both ends. You have to be accountable. Yes, when if y'all are going to storm the court, do it responsibly. Don't just act like y'all have no sense of it's a dangerous thing to be doing. Right, yeah. But also, players, keep your emotions in check. I know it sucks. It sucks to lose, period. And then it also sucks to have a thousand people running from the stands celebrating your defeat. Right. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But winning and losing is part of the game, and we done already talked about it a lot of times before. Accountability comes into play as well. Gotcha. Listen, when you think about Providence, <clears throat> They're going to take on Marquette. Marquette, do not sleep on them at 22 and 6. Uh, they always have been a tough matchup any day, any given night, no matter who they're going to be, man. This is going to be a dangerous team. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those, another, another team that doesn't really ever get the, the hype, the national recognition. But they've always had great players come through Providence. They've always was able to put together competitive teams. Um, they could be one of those sleeper teams going forward. Mm -hmm. Just to, and I, I always I do try to think about the real. It is depending on matchups. It is some teams that they are just not ready to see. Maybe later on down the road, once fatigue and things like that set in, and you get more tape on them. But they're one of those teams that if they just play their game, they're in a good position. Right. Who you got win this game between Marquette and Providence? I still got Marquette there. Yeah. I just like what Marquette's doing um, as a whole. I think they're honestly one of the top four or five teams in the nation. Right, yeah. And I think they, they about to make a whole lot of noise. All right, you got Oklahoma and Iowa State. You got South Carolina, Texas A&M. Alabama and Ole Miss. You know, that's where Brandon Miller came from. How you feel about that matchup? Uh, I think Alabama still, it's just theirs to lose this game. Mm -hmm. I know the records are kind of close. I still think Alabama's just a good basketball team who hasn't found a way to put it all together yet. Mm -hmm. They're sitting 11-3, uh, Tyler with the Southeast, with the SEC, with um, Tennessee right now. So they're still playing good basketball. It just seems like they haven't been able to put it all together at once. Right, right. So they're still definitely still working on some things. All right, you got Minnesota and you got the fighting the line now. They're going to play each other. Now, listen, you got Seton Hall and Creighton. Now, I don't know whether you would call uh, – uh, it, Creighton had a good win against UConn, or UConn had a quality loss. I, I'm not 100 sure, but Creighton did beat UConn 85-66, and since then, you know, you know, UConn has gotten back on track. But how you feel about this Creighton a Seton Hall matchup? Because we already said about Creighton and everything. They, listen, we're here and we're capable of beating you. Yeah. Um. It, I like things like this when your three leaders are all around 18 to 16 points. And that 16 is a 16.9, so it's 17 to 18. It shows the distribution. It shows how well-balanced this team is. Now, with that being said, a lot of teams don't have that. It's one guy, then you see a drop-off, and then you see even a bigger drop-off. Right. So this, that's what's kind of getting them these wins. And I would, like you said, the UConn game, I would categorize it as a good win for them. And not necessarily a bad loss for UConn. Because like, this cricket team is a good team. They just started off further back in rankings because nobody saw it coming. Mm -hmm. Now the season that we've actually played some games, we've seen how Creighton has got it done. They're a good team. Right. Um, and as far as this game, I think they'll get it done again against this Seton Hall team. Um, just because where are these two teams, the trajectory it seems to be going. It seems right now, Creighton is, yeah, I, I think that UConn game, they won. I think that they lost to St. John's, mm -hmm. which 
St. John's is a tricky thing. I think they got Rick Pitino up there as coach now. Yeah. Um, they stole uh, a five-star recruit from UNC, Simeon Wiltshire. They got some transfers coming. So it's it's a thing of him building that program up. So it doesn't look as pretty, but they're still those are trap games for anybody who goes right. up against St. John's. Um, but I think Curtin is just in that right trajectory of we're hitting the right stride at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And this is the time you want to be playing your best basketball. You know how much we love in-state rivals, man. For the nightcap, you got Arizona against Arizona State. We already said some good things about Arizona, uh, kind of making that thing do what it do. Uh, so, uh, you know, whenever – hey, listen, whenever it's in-state rivals, man, especially in any conference, it don't matter. So you're looking at Arizona and Arizona State. Looking for that to be a nice one, close, um, competitive – I just like Arizona way too much. Mm-hmm. I just love what they're doing. You know, Caleb Love, he's always going to always be a fan of him. He's a Tar Heel for life. I don't care if you did go out there to Tucson. I don't care. <laughs> don't matter to me. You're a UNC boy. Right. You're, you're a Chapel Hill boy. Like, get, get, get it understood. He understands it too. When they played Duke the very first game, he wore UNC for life on his shoes. So, it, I, at least you know where home is. Right. But um, I just love this team with him, Boswell, uh, yeah, Caleb Love, Boswell, Bilo, Johnson. Like, this team just has so much talent on it. And Caleb Love seems to have a re- kind of rejuvenated sense of he's enjoying the game again. At Carolina, there was some off-the-court things going on, drama between him and your backcourt mate of R.J. Davis, which – I got you. But he seems to be in a good position now right. on a good team with a great coach. Mm-hmm. I want to see how far they can get it. I want to see how far they can take it. Right. And you know we're going to be seeing it quite shortly now. Now, listen, you know we got a new number one. Who is it and how long you think they're going to stay there? Uh, it's University of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, first thing I want to know about Houston is how far can they defense get them? Okay, that's 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 the first thing I want to know about because we know what they're capable of. They have not had an offensive explosion all year long. How far can Houston's D get them in a tournament, man? This because the, that's, I think that's kind of going to be what it boils down to. This the uh, perfect chance for them to prove defense win championships. If anybody ever had a chance to prove it, they do right now. <laughs> Exactly. That's what I'm saying, man. But um, the thing that might benefit them, though, is the fact that they understand their identity. They understand right. that they know is, who they are. That this is who we are. And we're not trying to be anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the last game they won against Cincinnati, they put up 67 points. <laughs> the most I've really seen them put up is that 89 almost two months ago. Yeah, their highest is 89. They haven't cracked nothing other 89. And we've seen some of these teams go off for hundreds this year. But that's the thing. Yeah, you were able to go off for 100 against them. You ain't going to go for 100 against us. That's just how, they, that's how they're thinking about it. They're like, yeah, we seen them put up 110. We gonna hold that to about forty-five. Like that's what they right. Exactly. That's how they thinking. They like, yeah, they got. <laughs> we gonna hold that to about forty-five, fifty, mm. and see how they feel then. And, and, and seeing if they are the new number one at, the, at, the, at this point in time, we're talking about right now in the present, it will only benefit them because we know the higher the seeding, you know, not saying you're going to get no easy wins. Yeah. We ain't saying that because everybody coming in with a lot of talent and a lot of momentum. But that's probably one of the best places they can be with the type of basketball that they play. Yeah, to play one of those, not the, not the offensively high-powered teams with 10 five-star recruits on their roster. Right. Oh, you're going to get one of those mid-majors. Especially if you're sitting at that double wood. You're going to get one of those mid-major teams, one of those uh, first four-end teams, one of those guys, mm-hmm. which historically you, you're supposed to walk out of that. Yeah. <laughs> historically, you're on, the way, you're on your way to the next round. Right. So it's benefiting them well. And they're in a kind of a weaker conference. Um, I want to say Big 12. Kind of a weaker conference. They don't really have – that many people to continue with going down the stretch. Um, their last couple of games are Oklahoma and UCF, then they play Kansas again, that last one. But even if that game won't drop them back too far, it's one against seven as of right now. And I don't see either one of them falling too far behind. Right. So 
they're in a great position to win this thing. I mean, to finish it out as the number one team, get that good seeding. Uh, and that's really what you want. You want the, any advantage you can get yeah. in situations like this. Definitely so. And that's that what that must-see TV, baby. All right, we're going to check it out, and then we're going to chop it up. We would like to thank everyone for listening today. Yes. Please join us again on our next episode of the Donald and Donald Podcast. You know what it is, people. Please remember to drink your water and don't forget to stretch. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about your win. Just know that it's coming. Absolutely, baby. We're going to see all y'all next episode. Double D. Yeah.